As it turns out, the San Francisco 49ers were not overrated as the Dallas Cowboys found out Sunday, Niners advancing to the NFC Championship game. And what about Levi's Stadium? Does it outclass Jerry's world? All that and more coming up on today's Locked On 49ers. You are Locked On 49ers, your daily San Francisco 49ers podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to Locked On 49ers, Brian Peacock and Eric Crocker at BD Peacock at Eric underscore Crocker. Thanks, everybody, for making us your first listen every day here on the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Today's episode is brought to you by our newest sponsor, FanDuel Sportsbook, official sportsbook of the NFL. Make every moment more. Visit FanDuel.com slash Locked On today to get started. Taking a little look back at 49ers Cowboys, a, a fantastic divisional round matchup, a really tight one, 19 to 12. Our Rapid React pod breaking the whole game down uh, yesterday. You could find that here or YouTube or wherever you find your podcast. You can find that show. But just a couple of uh, more notes on that game. And uh, Croc, as it turns out, the San Francisco 49ers team was pretty good. It was pretty darn good. Let's start there because um, there was some thought that the 49ers maybe had played a kind of a kind of an easy schedule which they did they, they're actually the 49ers schedule ranked 32 out of 32 the 49ers did play an easy schedule and i think that was one thing that we had asked on the podcast here we had talked about looking ahead playing against some playoff teams how is that going to look and i think the 49ers did get tested especially with a, a better defense than they've seen all year and I think that affected more than the defense because some people said the 49ers defense was overrated. I was a little bit more worried about what the offense would look like against better defenses in the league. And I think we found that out. And there's a certain way that teams are trying to attack the 49ers. But, man, people didn't believe in the 49ers defense, Croc. Well, I'm scrolling through Twitter. And, you know, I'm kind of going on my, I guess, Victory Lab, Super Bowl tour. It, it, it was my Super Bowl, right? Beating the Cowboys you, was my Super Bowl. You were puffing your chest out a little bit the last few days. I've noticed that for sure. Right. So now I'm, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm feeling good, and I'm going through, and I'm, you know, I look at my timeline. I'm getting tagged in different things. People want me to kind of poke at some of these Cowboy content creators. And we do have one guy that says, uh, I'm not going to say frauds, but San Francisco defense isn't everything folks say they are. And this was something that he tweeted out prior to – the actual game, which uh, I think is coming on NFL Network right now, if y'all want to kind of rewatch that, that's on in the background. I'm watching it, but it, you know they, or when I say right now, by the time they listen to it, it'll be well off. It'll replay again. It, yeah, all right, yeah, Check yeah your local yeah. listings. <laughs> Anyways, I guess if you look at a specific game, a specific performance, and you want to use that as the only thing on their resume, then I guess you could come away as, hey, this team is a little fraud, right? If you only look at the Chiefs game, if you only look at the Raiders game, you know, then, okay, I, I guess you could say that. But if you look at their overall full body of work, the defense was really good all year. They're one of the top teams in taking the ball away. They're one of the top teams in the interceptions. You have Nick Bosa, he's going to be defensive player of the year. You know, you had guys that rallied around him. You have the best linebacker core in the group. I mean, you got an all-pro safety. You got an all-pro at every level. I, I mean, it was they have everything, and they play extremely well more times than not. So uh, to say that they're kind of looking a little fraudish to me is a little a little disrespectful, and I'm glad that the 49ers held the Cowboys to 12 points for that certain content creator. And, and just the the stark contrast, because we knew it, and and 
the Cowboys looked great. And Dak Prescott had his best game of the year against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers in the previous playoff game for the Cowboys. And, and I think there was a false sense from Cowboys fans and who knows, maybe even the players on the field that they were maybe a little bit better than they were. But Croc, we knew because we had just seen the 49ers do the same exact thing to the Buccaneers a couple of weeks before that. So we knew not to take that too seriously when a team beats down the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, as Brock Purdy did in his very first career start, by the way, 35 to 7, the 49ers beat the Buccaneers even worse than the Cowboys did. So so we knew what that was all about. Um, and I, most teams, when they face the 49ers, they find out really quick that there's something different going on on, on the on the uh, on that side of the ball for the San Francisco 49ers. And sometimes it even carries them into the next week as the 49ers have shown uh, their schedule. Not great, but part of it being not great is teams were even worse after they played the 49ers than before the 49ers. And I think some defensive coordinators might look at what the Niners did, try to emulate some things. And of course the 49ers just beat teams up and, and bully them a little bit. Uh, so it might be a hangover effect there, but um, nonetheless, any talk about the 49ers defense, especially being overrated. I mean, I could see if someone doesn't believe that what they're seeing from a seventh round rookie quarterback is for real and has some doubts there. I don't have those doubts as much as some people do, but I can understand why you'd have that. If you watch the 49ers at all, and watch their defense, and you thought that they weren't just an awesome unit, then you probably have to have your head examined. All right, they fly around. They make big hits. They make big plays. I mean, this isn't the San Francisco 49ers defense from, was it 2017, when they had five total takeaways in the entire season? Was that 17 or 18? One of those years, they had five total takeaways. I've never seen that in my life, right? (laughs) This defense is not that. They're high-flying. Everyone respects them. They got guys that make plays at every level. Uh, you could look at certain guys, right, and I think I had somebody attack me, and they're like, oh, man, you know, either us or people were saying, Diamondo Lenore is the weakest link. And they're like, well, the weakest link on a terrific team, I mean, how weak is that on other teams that might not be as good? Like, somebody has to be a weak link somewhere. Now, I thought Diamondo Lenore, there was a stretch over a few games that he did, he got bombed on. Right, I mean, it, it happened. But I also try to keep things in context to say, well, that wasn't something that happened throughout the year because we're just now talking about it. Like, nobody was talking about Diamondola Lenore before the Washington game and the uh, uh, it was Washington and then the Raiders game. Where the, okay, And then the first play against the Cardinals, the last play. So it was like a three-game stretch of, hey, this is not this is not best foot forward. Are they going to do something? Are they going to put in a guy like Jack Rabbit? Right? Because it was looking like the weakest link. But prior to that, I mean, nobody had issues with him. So, I mean, he's been awesome now, right? I mean, we're talking about two two games. And when we say awesome, he's taking the ball away. And he's challenging himself. He's done those things. Yeah, two playoff and, and he's saying, okay, if I'm the weakest league, come at me and see what happens. And he's picking people off. And he's playing really good football. And it was probably overstated that he was the weakest link because you're talking about a, a team that has all pros at every level of the defense. And I mean, right, right. If, he, if he's not the weakest link, let's say weakest link, and we got to put that in air quotes because, again, we're talking about somebody that has to be, you know, the, the weakest of that unit. Like, I mean, who else would it be? Someone's got to bat eighth on the 27 Yankees, right? Right. That doesn't mean they're a bad player because they're the best lineup of all time. I'm not calling the Niners defense the best lineup of all time, but they're a really good unit. And I think some people are getting much worse, including the Dallas Cowboys cornerback play from some of their corners than the 49ers are with their weakest link in Diamador Lenore. So good on Diamador Lenore. And he, he faced all haters and uh, it's, it's made him a better player. I love the competitiveness there. And that's kind of what he always showed from the first day of his first training camp 
right? He's he's always had that competitiveness, and and I think that's what's going to carry him throughout his career. He's not the biggest, fastest guy, clearly. There, there were some other things that were being said in this thread as well. Uh, here's one. The Cowboys' point differential of plus 125 in their regular season. During the season, the 49ers faced the Chiefs plus 127 and the Seahawks plus 6. Every other opponent that the 49ers faced finished with a negative point differential. Now, that is something that you can somewhat cherry pick because if you look at the NFL this year, there just weren't a lot of well-rounded teams. Even a team like the Minnesota Vikings, who the Cowboys beat, had a negative point differential. Yeah, you know? uh, the Giants, who were playing in the divisional round as well, had a negative differential for the season. Right. And at the same time, the 49ers took care of business, right? They had the biggest point differential in the league. If you have the worst schedule in the league, you should outscore the entire league if you're a good team, which is exactly what the 49ers did. Right. And it's not their fault because they didn't start off as the worst, right? I'm pretty sure when the season started, you look at strength of schedule. I bet the 49ers had a top seven schedule as far as, you know. <laughs> so I, I remember actually, I was thinking back. Do you remember when we did our preseason, like, okay, let's go through the schedule and and predict what the 49ers record is going to be? And we we're going week by week. Do you remember? Because at, at this point, we're thinking, okay, Trey Lance, his first year as a starter. Remember after week eight, the first half of the season was – a lot more difficult in the second half of the season. Yeah, and that, it looked that. that way even to start the year. And we we're like, man, at the end of the year, I think the 49ers can go on the run. But man, if they're four and four after eight games, that's pretty good. Do you know what the 49ers record was after eight games? Four and four. Four and four, right? <laughs> and so that, that bye week was big. It was like, man, if you're close to 500 after that bye week, I think they can go and run in the second half of the season because it looks like it's a little bit of an easier schedule. And then even some of the difficult teams weren't playing at their highest level. Um, but the 49ers made everybody look worse too. And, and that's what's key. And, and they, they handled their business against those teams, especially. And look, the 49ers did the same thing last year. So this is almost like a, it's almost like a, a, a Kyle Shanahan trait. It seems like now where you kind of start a little slow and weird. And then the team just gets stronger and stronger as the season goes along. Yeah. And part of that is the eye testing Are the, the strength schedule, not great. Well, that's why they're blowing these teams out. So clearly they are a good team. <laughs> As part of our look back at beating the Cowboys in the divisional round, I want to talk about a couple of players, uh, Fred Warner being one. We talked about him a little bit yesterday, but how good was he on Sunday? Trent Williams, uh, maybe a little Nick Bosa, Michael Parsons as well, with some of the takes that are out there, and, and hopefully we can um, speak honestly and analyze what we saw on the field from the 49ers in the Cowboys Sunday. And, oh, yeah, what about Levi's Stadium? Better than Jerry's World? Some people think so, including some... Cowboys fans, which might surprise you next. We are super excited about our newest sponsor. Today's episode brought to you by the Locked On Network's official sportsbook, FanDuel. Super excited about this one because FanDuel is the number one sportsbook in America. And if you're new to FanDuel, that's even better because they have so many great features to make betting on sports fun and easy. I love the interface, first of all, with FanDuel. When you go there, it's super easy to find whatever you want. I'm on the website right now looking around. You can find, of course, the 49ers who are underdogs on the road at Philadelphia by two and a half points. Kansas City, one and a half point favorites at home over the Cincinnati Bengals. There's weekly specials like both Travis Kelsey and George Kittle to each score the first touchdowns in their games and get a pretty good payoff for that one. What about Debo Samuel and AJ Brown combining for 200 plus receiving yards on the championship weekend? Of course, Super Bowl props, NFL draft props, parlay builder, tons of ways you can bet on the NFL and not just NFL, but every sport out there and new customers join today 
to get started with $150 in free bets guaranteed when you place your first $5 bet. Just sign up at FanDuel.com slash locked on. Super easy. App is safe to use, secure, and you will have so much fun at FanDuel. So football fans, don't miss out. Place your first $5 bet and get $150 in free bets. Win or lose at FanDuel.com slash locked on. Make every moment more with FanDuel, official sportsbook partner of the NFL. All right, Croc. Uh, really quick before we get into some individual performances on the game. I love this one. So one of those content creators you were talking about that does stuff uh, uh, for the Dallas Cowboys. Do you like Levi's better than AT&T? Levi's better than Jerry's World? Yeah, so shout out to my guy, Jay Tuck. He's a big time Cowboy uh, content creator. He's always cool. We've chatted on the phone uh, before, but he said, I will say this, and y'all might get mad, and he's talking about his Cowboy fans and followers. He said, I felt more at home as a football fan at Levi Stadium than I ever have felt at AT&T. We are being exploited and robbed from our football culture to the point I don't know if I want season tickets at home next year. So, he, wow. I mean, he's all in on the atmosphere that the San Jose, Santa Clara area provided, which is understandable for a playoff game. But I think, I mean, 49ers, they've kind of been rocking even before the playoffs started. And, uh, you know, it's I get it. it. I went into the comments. I'm looking at some of the, the mentions. And it's not just him in the stands, which I heard him talk about uh, Jerry's role and other people as well. But they're, man, you know, they don't like when you're standing up to watch the game. Everybody wants you to sit down. It's not as loud. They're not cheering. Where Santa Clara, San Jose, when I go to the Levi Stadium, you know, people are up. They're cheering. Uh, you have the, uh, that's another San Francisco 49ers first down. Oh, oh, oh. You know, they have things that they bring the fans into. And I think maybe because we're fans of 49ers, we kind of take that for granted. He talked about tailgating, which I think tailgate is pretty cool. At Levi's Stadium, I, I like the way it's set up. You think that's better at Levi's than it is at Jerry's World? So uh, whatever it is, the atmosphere that we might just be used to, it seems like uh, op- opponents are like, hey, man, like this is some good stuff the 49ers have here. That's interesting because the Levi's Stadium, when it first opened, it was kind of a, a soulless building. That was the the idea that everyone had. And, uh, you know, it was more of a, a wine-sipping, you know, Bay Area environment and it wasn't you know that hardcore fan environment like candlestick park might have been and i think i felt that a little bit but i think you have to live through moments in a stadium and of course like you know they they got that that stadium open so fast they add it was bare they've added so much like signage and the museum and so many other things to it you develop relationships tailgating you know where your lot is you know where your people are now you know what your section is now um and then also so many big games i think that's so important for the soul of a building is you were there and you saw this thing happen you saw this thing happen you had your heart broken when they lost this game right and so building now years and years and years Years of games and experiences in a stadium, I think, is a is a huge part of what the soul of a of a, any sports venue is, and that just takes time. So I think that's maybe part of it. But I I'm surprised to hear that he would that he said he felt like it was a better football environment than than Jerry's World. And I know Jerry's World's bigger and maybe flashier in some ways. And there's that insane thing hanging out of the middle of the <laughs> ceiling with it that that punters can hit. Um, but I think one of the problems just with with newer venues is they're so expensive and ticket prices are so much and just the economics of sports 
I do feel bad because, you know, when we get in those arguments about, okay, how much do you want to pay this player? And then a lot of people, you know, fight for the player and say, oh, this player should get all every penny because why are you going to, you know, why are you standing for the billionaire owner? You know, and, and my thing is always like, well, I'm, I'm not really trying to help the pockets of the billionaire owner or the millionaire athlete. I'm thinking about the fans. And right. I'm thinking about how much it costs to take your family to a game to maybe buy a jersey for your, you know, your son or daughter and, and maybe even buy some food. You want to buy a beer. It's like, oh, you can't like most people can't afford that. Definitely not afford that eight times a year if you got season tickets. And so I think that's what sort of happens is the regular fan kind of gets priced out in a lot of ways with the newer stadiums and the economics of sports and it can affect what a fan base is. And you're just never going to go back to what it's like in, you know, 1989 at candlestick park, because it just, it's, it's never going to be like that again, you know, but um, that, that I, I'm a little surprised to hear him, hear him say that about Levi stadium versus Jerry's world. I've never been there, so I don't know. And I've seen more baseball stadiums than football stadiums. So I don't really have a lot to compare Levi's and even candlestick to because most of the games I've gone to, are either right here and basically, you know what? I've never seen a professional football game east of the West Coast. Basically, I've been to Seattle, been to LA, both of the stadiums for the 49ers and San Diego, and that's it. Oh, uh, yeah. See, I and finally, I've kind of traveled, especially a little bit more over the last couple of years. Shout out to the Locked On Network. <laughs> but I went to the Atlanta Stadium. Now, again, some of this you have to take with the in, in the thought of maybe the team not being in the best spot so that could have something to do with like the environment that you're feeling now the cowboys they're winning so especially over the last two years if you go to a cowboy home game i mean last year they they had a good record this year they had a good record so they, they've been winning so if you don't if you still don't like that environment that's different but i went to the 49ers falcons game the 49ers were really supposed to win that game <laughs> right uh falcons weren't this big juggernaut of a team didn't feel as great of an environment uh i went to the chicago bears game week one uh, against the 49ers and again that one it was like storming it was storming before it was some of the hardest rain I had ever seen in my life I looked to my brother Donald and I said let's just go to watch this game at a bar <laughs> because it was just dumping that hard he was like no we got to go even if we got to go sit in we're just going to go sit in that weather I'm like dang all right and uh so I think maybe because of the weather and how that was it wasn't just this vibrant uh uh you know away type thing and then you go to levi stadium i mean excuse me i call it levi stadium because it's levi south so far and that might as well be a 49er stadium so yeah it's i've been to oh i went to philadelphia last year week two. Oh, and yeah what's that because i feel like that's going to be an environment next it time. was supposed to be and they had came off a big win right so week one they came off of a big win the philadelphia eagles and it just, I, I didn't feel it. And then you start talking about football environments. I went to the 49ers Commanders game uh, a few weeks ago, and it was rocking. I mean, the child was, crowd was going. I felt like there wasn't an empty seat in the house. I mean, that was against the Commanders. And yeah. I, 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 it felt more like football, which you would think the Philadelphia Stadium, like, that's football. But, again, the game started slow. It was kind of weird. There wasn't these super high moments. I think the 49ers won, like. I don't know, 16-9 or uh, whatever the score was. It wasn't this high-powered game. I don't think that the Eagles, even though they won their first game pretty handily, they didn't have these high expectations. So maybe that has something to do with it. But so far, I mean, again, I'm not hyping up Levi Stadium, but as of late, it, it has 
it, it does feel pretty good. And I, and I didn't really think about it until I saw that comment. What about college stadiums? Do you think there's something to Brock Purdy having played a lot of college football, played in some big games, that maybe the atmosphere isn't that big for him compared to someone like Trey Lance who came from North Dakota State? Uh, because uh, one, of the, one of the coolest football games I've ever seen was University of Wisconsin. And it was a rivalry game. It was Wisconsin versus Minnesota. You know, their rivals. It was actually snowing. It was really cool. Uh, and I've never – and in a lot of ways, it was cooler than, than uh, an NFL game and, and pretty dang important and pretty dang loud. So I could see how you could feel a little battle-tested if you are a player who's played a lot of meaningful college football games. Yeah, college football – and I, dang, there was a player that said it. Like, dude, I, I played at LSU. Who was – maybe it was Joe Burrow or it was yeah, – oh, Joe just, Burrow talking about playing that arrowhead. That's what okay. it was. Yeah. And they were like, oh, man, you got to play at arrowhead. Like, and he's like – Play at LSU. And that LSU crowd is wild. And it is an amazing college of a football experience. Their chants, they have some of the wildest chants that I can't even I can't even say what it is what they say. But um yeah, they say some wild stuff. So great environment. Yeah. You play for LSU or you are a team that plays against them, you definitely get to experience something different. Just saw some highlights today from that. Um I think it was a 42-41 final score. Jalen Hurts against Brock Purdy at Oklahoma against Iowa State game. And there's some good highlights in that what, game. What did it look like? I saw a, a picture of them, and it was like one of them threw five touchdowns, the other one threw six touchdowns. But yeah, I, I, didn't, I didn't watch the game. I so. just saw a couple of highlights. I didn't see the whole game. But that, that's what sort of reminded me of this conversation about the stadiums and about being battle tested like you know going and playing in oklahoma there's a lot i mean some of these stadiums have like eighty thousand seats too some of these college stadiums like that's it's loud and there's some pretty lubed up fans in there so oh the, the big house i feel like michigan i think it's like seats a hundred thousand that's nuts that's crazy so yeah anyway levi's stadium it, it's growing a soul and i really think every time the 49ers make a playoff run uh, it's going to feel more and more like home, and it's never going to feel exactly like Candlestick. And I love Candlestick, and I watched a lot of baseball games there, even more so than football games. Um, but, you know, and of course, the stadium that you grow up watching games in, and you watch the dynasty like the 49ers in there, it's going to have a special place in your heart. So it's never going to be that. But Levi Stadium has turned out to be a lot better environment, and uh, the more playoff games there are, the better that environment's going to be. Are we not making a big deal? And again, I understand you, you want to win that Super Bowl, but – the fact that Kyle Shanahan with the 49ers has gone to three NFC championship games in four years, like, isn't that – it's kind of wild. I mean, again, I know you got you got to finish. But just in the sense of – and I tell people, for me, you want you want the Super Bowl, but I, I love the fact that we are this late in the year still talking about uh, an upcoming game. And to me, again, you want to win the Super Bowl, but I value as a fan just that – ability to just hey man like there is a game coming this week oh yeah and, oh, no and the doubt. fact that you've done this three out of the last four years where there are some teams dallas cowboys i just saw it that i kind of posted this this is kind of a wild tweet i don't want to repeat it on on air but it was all the things that happened before the last time or since the last time the cowboys played in, in the nfc championship game and it was like dak prescott's mom and dad haven't met. They hadn't had sex yet to conceive uh, Dak Prescott or, or Jalen Hurts. I think it was Jalen Hurts or they, they haven't done anything to conceive him. And 
Um, you know, and then he hadn't, you know, he had to learn how to play football and then he had to go to college and then he transferred to another school and then he got drafted and he sat behind Carson Wentz. All those things happened and he eventually reached an NFC championship game before the Dallas Cowboys. <laughs> and I think we kind of, because it's happened, you know, three out of the last four years, I don't take it for granted. I, I really appreciate just reaching yeah. that kind of level of play, but a lot of people are just like, oh, it doesn't matter unless you win. And it's like, man, I enjoy this journey. What the having the opportunity, yeah, having the opportunity to win often is way better. And we talked about this a couple weeks ago, like where the Rams could go if they fall off a cliff now because of the way their roster was built. Uh, it's way cooler to be going back again, having that opportunity to win again and again, rather than just winning one and then being bad. And we want we want them to win. Don't get that. Oh yeah, no, no, no. How about just keep winning them all? How about that? Right. Yeah, and I'm not. I don't think the 49ers are going anywhere like the Los Angeles Rams. But um, you know, the NFL is chaotic. I actually have a good question. You, you reminded me of something. I want to talk about some individual performances, 49ers, Cowboys-wise. But I got a question about Kyle Shanahan and his legacy and what's riding on that this postseason next. Thanks again, everybody, for making Locked On 49ers your first listen every day. Make sure you're subscribed up to the Peacock and Williamson NFL show, Locked On NFL Draft, Locked On NFL Podcast. Uh, there's daily conversations, the biggest NFL stories every day on the Locked On NFL Podcast. It's also the YouTube home of Peacock and Williamson. And, of course, even maybe if you're a team that or you're a fan that just happened to jump onto this Locked On 49ers podcast and you're not even a 49ers fan or you 49ers fans always know folks that aren't 49ers fans. Let them know that their team is covered right here on the Locked On Podcast Network. Croc, do you think that of all the coaches, and and I was thinking about this earlier on in the, in the postseason. Now we're down to four teams and four head coaches, but I was thinking about it earlier on. Is this postseason, like, does it mean more for Kyle Shanahan to win a Super Bowl than the other coaches just because he hasn't? Because he's he if if no matter what reason it is it, it's going to be this way if Kyle Shanahan either loses this week or the 49ers lose in the Super Bowl and Kyle Shanahan doesn't win a Super Bowl he's going to get the tag of the coach that that can't win the big game right and basically he becomes what Andy Reid was in Philadelphia right. before Andy Reid finally got his Super Bowl title with the Kansas City Chiefs and I feel like of all because Andy's already got his but Andy could really cement himself two-time Super Bowl champion it's I mean it's important to any coach to win a Super Bowl I mean it's huge for your career but I feel like there's a little bit more for Kyle Shanahan even than the others yeah I like that you brought up Andy Reid because that just kind of shows you know you're going to get tagged with that until you do it and he's a guy that had a lot of success in Philadelphia I believe it was like four straight NFC championship games that's wild and didn't win that big one. And I think when, when that happens, a lot of people think that you just can't. And he's like, no, no, I can't. I just got to figure it out. I, I think that just goes to show really more so just how hard it is to win it, right? Like the 49ers right now, let's say hypothetically speaking, they win the Super Bowl. To do that, to achieve that, they would have won, what is it, it's like 12 straight right now, 14 okay. straight games yeah. to close out the year. Like that is hard. It's just hard to, to win, win that many win games in the year. In the playoffs, just to win the Super Bowl, even if you didn't win the Week 18. Right. So, I mean, we're talking about something. And, again, he's going to be judged off of that game. I, I think here's the thing that you can take away from it, and Kyle can take this as a positive. When people have those type of expectations for you, that means they just hold you to a certain standard. And there are other coaches that would never be held to that standard. Right? You know, they're, they're, they're not going to be judged off of it because they, well, they don't get there. 
Kyle, the only reason why he'll be judged a certain way is because he gets there consistently. It's like you you keep seeing him there, so you want to see what he, he's gonna get. One, it just <laughs> things going your way because it's so hard to win them. It's also a reminder next year, no matter who the 49ers quarterback is, no matter how the 49ers season ends this year, don't start calling for Kyle Shanahan to get fired after the 49ers uh, start off the season a little shaky for the first, you know, six to eight games. Think about this. If Kyle Shanahan were to be fired tomorrow, let's say, knock on wood, 49ers lose the NFC Championship game. And 49ers are like, you know what? We're going to fire you, Kyle. They fire him. <laughs> how long will it take for him to, to get a job? Will, and will other teams fire their current coaches? <laughs> yeah, that's what I was going to say. He might not want any of the open jobs, but a job might happen to open up for him immediately, right, if, if that was the case. Right. So it's like – Denver. Denver I, would hire him in, in, a, in a heartbeat. In a heartbeat. Denver's head coach the, the, before, before the phone even – before he hung up the phone uh, after getting well, – that would be face-to-face. But be, his phone would be ringing from the Broncos before he even got out of the meeting room if he got fired by Jed So I, So when you look at it from that standpoint – it's really more so about just just win the big game and all that talk goes away because yep. people, you know, everyone knows how real good such great of a coach that he, he is. I think people appreciate what he is. And, you know, we've questioned different things. And justifiably so, there are a lot of people like, hey, man, you people said fire. Well, yeah, he had one winning season in four years. <laughs> and he was going on one winning season in five years. I think you can question the guy at that. Even if his one winning season was really high. Now, this year, I learned my lesson from last year. I'm like, well, I'm not panicking at all. Like, the dude, like, we just saw what he did the previous year. Like, they'll figure it out. And that's just really understanding how great of a coach that he, that he truly is. And uh, I think there's a lot to, to say for that, to have that type of coach who, you know, I hope he's the 49ers coach for the next 15 years because of how he's been able to coach up guys, uh, how he has responded to a lot of adversity that he's had to go through uh, with his team, whether it was a good season, bad season, uh, and then, you know, injuries. And then, man, you spent a lot – they say you miss on the quarterback, and I'm not saying they missed on Trey Lance, but they say if you miss on the quarterback in the draft in, in, in the top five, it sets you back five years. And we haven't even been able to feel the effects of either having him or not having him or whatever because they've just kept it rolling. Regardless, I think, I mean, that alone says how good of a coach that he is putting guys in certain situations. If you would have told me right after the 2021 NFL draft that in, uh, in, in January of 2023, Kyle Shanahan would have had, uh, or, or Trey Lance would have not have been, have proven to be a good quarterback yet, I'd probably see, I probably would have thought, oh man, Lynch and, and Kyle probably are about to go if that's the case. If you didn't tell me anything else about what happened, right? But it's remarkable that they're going to the NFC Championship game right now. And it's not that quarterback that's taking them there. And it's not to say that Trey Lance is going to be bad or anything like that. But what else they have done to build a good team and what he's getting out of the guys he's had, even though the quarterback thing has been so weird, is is pretty remarkable. And um, and, and nobody's perfect. It's like saying, hey, Steph Curry missed that three. That was a pretty ugly shot. That's not saying Steph Curry can't shoot threes, right? And right. so if we question, you know, time management at the end of the first half, and some people just, you know, get get mad because you're questioning stuff. That's what we do. We're going to be truthful. We're going to analyze it. We're going to we're going to call things as we see them. But man, right now Kyle Shanahan's dealing, and uh, it, it'd be hard to trade him for just about any coach in the league. So here's a question, I, and I think now we're we are seeing a trend 
as far as who he is. And I, again, I saw someone question it. I'd have to see. I saw you respond to it about his aggressiveness or lack thereof. If Kyle doesn't win a Super Bowl, I think that will be the reason why. If he doesn't win with the 49ers, it'll be that that uh, you know doesn't doesn't put them on the table. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like you gotta mm-hmm. at some point to win it. And I and I go back even to the 49ers Super Bowl against Kansas City Chiefs. People forget this. Kansas City went for it several times. Fourth and one. Fourth and two. And it was like we got we have to score. We have to score this touchdown. And they were very aggressive just to kind of really. I mean, I guess if you think about that time, let's say they go for it and they don't get it. I mean, that's bad. Let's say they go for it and they kick a field goal. I think that gives the 49ers even, even more cushion at, towards the end of that game, right, if everything kind of still plays out the same. So um, that aggressiveness, it, it takes a lot. It takes a lot to win the Super Bowl. But if he doesn't, I, I think it would be because he's he just kind of shells up in, in, the, in this moment. And, what's- and people will gloss over it, but – it, it was something pivotal. And he did it week, let's say week one. Week one, I believe the 49ers, they were, they were up on, they were up on Chicago. Remember, they started off 10-0. Yeah, and then 10-0. I think it was 10-7. And there was this Chicago play. Chicago scored right before the half, right? And it was 10-7, right? Or right at the beginning? No, I think was... they scored right after, maybe. It, they, it was all second half points that they scored. Okay. But the 49ers were up 10-7. And Trey Lance t- took off and ran the ball and was one yard short. He was right around midfield, one yard short short of the first down marker. And Kyle punted the ball away. And it's it's things like that where you kind of look and say, like, dude, you know, you got to be a little bit more aggressive in this situation. And I think if if he doesn't win it, because you're, the, the, the room for mistake and error in a Super Bowl are very minimal. And you only have so many opportunities. Unless you just have Patrick Mahomes, and well, that's and that's kind of what and look and and part of it was Kyle Shanahan knows he he doesn't have Mahomes and the other team does, so that might play into it. But it was funny because we were talking about the comparisons in in coaching careers with Andy Reid and Kyle Shanahan, and that was when Andy Reid got his Super Bowl was he was being aggressive and Kyle was a little more conservative, right? So does Kyle learn right. from that? Be more aggressive and he gets his Super Bowl win. Well, and and. I mean, again, I, I always remember this because I just thought it was so wild. But the Kansas City Chiefs, they're in the playoffs. They're playing against the Cleveland Browns. Patrick Mahomes got knocked out that game. And in comes Chad Henney. And it's midfield. The The Browns are down three points or so. And I really, I think Kansas City was actually in their own territory. They might have been on like the minus 45-yard line. It's fourth and two. And he goes for it with Chad Henney at quarterback. <laughs> in the situation, nobody would have judged him at all if he punted the ball away and said, all right, no. we're up three or up four points, whatever it is, play defense. But he said, no, I, I'm going to end this game right now. And he had his play that he loves, and he went to it. Tyreek Hill caught the ball, first down, ball game. And it's just to, to, to have those cojones, just that mindset. Uh, I mean, that is, it takes a lot. To, to, to do that. <laughs> you know? Yep. All right. Well, we, we didn't have time to get into some of those individual performances. Of course, we can chat about those things tomorrow with our good friend, Nicholas Winkler on another Winky Wednesday. Thank you everybody for making Locked On 49ers your first listen every day here on the Locked On Podcast Network. Croc and I 
back tomorrow, start to get ready for those Philadelphia Eagles right here, Locked On 49ers.